This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. How many of you are learning something about the courts of heaven? Uh, I understand that uh, Dr. Francis Miles spoke on restraining orders today. I'm very, very jealous. I was so tired. I, I didn't get much sleep last night. I missed the message. I've heard him do at least some of it when I was with him in Arizona. And such a powerful, powerful word. We're going to continue tonight on what we started this morning for all of you that were here today. Out of Revelation chapter 12, verses 10 and 11. Because what I like to do, once I get the whole idea of the court of heaven established, and that it's a dimension, it's a sphere we can step into, that uh, I like to bring it down to as, as practical a place as I possibly can so that we can all begin to understand how we can function in this. Now, let me just say this to you. So often when people hear me teach on the court of heaven, they say, I can't do that. That's too complicated. And I say, well, if, it's too, if it seems complicated, then I haven't done a good job of communicating it. Because watch, Romans 8, verse 26, when we don't know how to pray as we ought, the Holy Spirit helps our weaknesses and our infirmities so that we are empowered, so that we have understanding. See, you need to understand, none of us are effective in prayer outside of the empowerment of the Spirit. So when it comes to approaching God as judge, as I spoke to you about last night, when it comes to approaching him in that realm, just like in every other realm, we're going to have to have the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to help us. See, we're not going to just learn principles and, and ideas and these kind of things which are necessary that the Holy Spirit will teach us how to apply, but we're actually going to step in and begin to do it. And here's what I tell people. Let me tell you what you're going to have to do to function in the court of heaven. You ready? you're going to have to try. You're going to just have to try. You're just going to have to go there in your prayer time, in your prayer groups, whatever. You're just going to have to give it an effort because here's what I'm going to tell you. Even though it might seem awkward because it's not the model we function in in times gone by, even though it might seem awkward when you first start, I am a living testimony that it can become the most natural thing that you can imagine. That, you, that you, can, you can begin to step in there and all of a sudden it's just like, wow, this is so easy. This is so natural to me. Because your mind is actually being renewed through these concepts as you begin to practice it. And the Holy Spirit will help you. I always tell people this too. Don't be afraid of messing it up. That's impossible. You say, well, I'm afraid I'll mess it up. Well, how I many of you know, God calls Samuel, what was it, like four times before Samuel finally recognized his voice, and that was with the help of Eli. But the bottom line was, watch, God didn't, call, didn't stop calling him just because he missed. He missed him. He called him. Samuel got up. Now watch this. Here was the chief thing, I think, that Samuel had going for him. He was responsive. Remember, he said, Samuel. Samuel thinks of Eli. He gets up, he goes to Eli. He goes back and lays back down. Samuel, he gets up and goes to Levi. Eli, see, watch. He was responding even though he didn't know the voice of God. You see, here's the deal. If we will be a responsive people, if we will just show a willingness to begin to step and begin to move, I promise you, God doesn't become frustrated with us. He doesn't become upset with us. He says, I love it that you're taking a step of faith and trying to do something you've never done before. God loves that. 
I love the scripture in James that we should ask of him wisdom and of God wisdom, which gives to us liberally and does not upbraid us. It says, God doesn't say, well, you stupid people, you ought to know better than that. He didn't do that. He said, I love it that you're willing to try something new. You're willing to go a place you've never gone before. That's what the children of Israel would do. Watch this. They came to the, to, to the, uh, to the river Jordan. What happened? He said, no, you stand back a little bit because you're going to walk away you've never been before. But you're going to move forward. Amen? So listen, don't be afraid to try this. You'll be amazed at what will happen. And I'm going to try to give you some practical keys and clues on how to step into the courts tonight and watch present your case. We, we talked this morning about how to take the blood and undo cases that were against us. And that's an essential part. But, it, but, but so often, some of the people that I've been around that actually teach on the courts, they get hung up on that alone. And I, and I found out that if you get hung up on that alone, then the enemy will, will, will use that just to frustrate us. How many, how many of you know, listen, we got to repent, but repentance isn't the end of all things. It's not the end of all things. See, see, and so, so I have found out, yes, we have to deal with these things. We have to repent. We have to let the blood speak for us. We have to deal with these issues. But once those things are done, we have got to know how to come into the next step, which is to present our case to the Lord. Because this is what I tell people. A judge cannot render a verdict in your behalf unless you present a case before him that allows him to do that. So what? So, so watch what he said here in Revelation 12 and verse 11, how we overcome the accuser or the case that's against us and every tactic that he's using to keep us out of the purpose and destiny of God. Watch what he says. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. That's what we undo the case with. And it says this, um, and it says, and by the word of their testimony. We're going to zero in on that tonight. What is that? The Lord said to me, I believe. He said, the word of your testimony, that's not something that you get up and testify. Now, that's, that's, that's wonderful and powerful. But the, to give a testimony means to release judicial witness. So you're standing in a court here. Remember, the accuser is accusing you. How do you overcome him? How do you beat him? You get the case annulled that's working against you, but now you've got to present your own case. How do you do that? By stepping before the court and releasing testimony. That's what you do in a natural court. You come and you, you give witness, you give testimony, and the judge hears the testimony, and he begins to render verdicts based on the testimony that's being presented. So when it says the word of your testimony, it's speaking of us presenting our case in the courts of heaven. So I'm going to give you five things tonight that are keys to presenting your case in the courts of heaven. And some we're just going to touch, others we're going to zero in on to, 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 uh, to be able to accomplish during our allotted time what we want to do here. So we're going to give five keys to presenting your case in the courts of heaven. That you say, okay, God, I want what belongs to me. I want that from, from you and coming out of course. Number one, key number one, here's, the, here, here's what you do. Number one, what is in your book? Now, let me just explain that. Daniel 7, verse 10. It says, it talks about all the glorious things going on in this spiritual dimension. And it says this, and the court was seated and the books were opened. Now, that's important. You need to understand there are books in heaven, are scrolls that are in heaven. Psalms 139, 16 tells us one of the scrolls or one kind of scroll that's in heaven. 
It says, all my substance yet unformed, that's my DNA. Listen, that's what makes me what I am, what I like, what I don't like, what I'm good at, what I'm not good at. All my substance, it says, uh, uh, was, was, um, that, was, that was in heaven. It said, it said, all my substance yet unformed, all my days yet unfashioned, how long I will live and what I'm supposed to accomplish during that time. Watch this. It was written down in your book. So watch, God says there's a book in heaven that literally God wrote down your substance and wrote down your days, how long you would live and what you're supposed to accomplish during that time for the purposes of his kingdom. Every one of us has a book in heaven. I'm gonna just spend just a little bit of time on this. So, so when it says the court was seated and the books were open, the book of destiny that is about you, what that is showing, what that is revealing, get this, is your prophetic reason for being in the planet. Let me, let me just take you, show you scriptures. Isaiah chapter 29, because you got to see this. Isaiah chapter 29, concerning a book. And we could teach on this for a long time, but we can't do that. So Isaiah 29, let me show you this, verse 10. It says, for the Lord has poured out on you the spirit of deep sleep and has closed your eyes, namely the prophets, and he has covered your heads, namely the seers. So he's saying the prophetic voice has been silenced because the, the prophet's eyes are closed and the seer's head has a hood over it so that they're not able to see and perceive in the spirit realm. Okay, now he's going to tell us why. The whole vision has become to you like the words of a book that is sealed, which men delivered to one who is literate or gifted, saying, read this, please. And he says, I cannot, for, I, for it is sealed. Then the book is delivered to one who is illiterate, saying, read this, please. And he says, I am not literate. So watch what he's saying. He's saying the reason the prophets are unable to prophesy the reason the seers are unable to see is because the books of heaven are sealed. You see, you got to get this. When real prophets prophesy, especially futures, because watch, prophets can prophesy in three different dimensions. They can prophesy about the past. They can tell you your past. They don't have to see in the book to do that. Because the past has already happened. It's out there. So they can tell you about your past. They don't have to see into the books. They can even tell you about what's going on on the inside of you because they pick it up prophetically and can tell your wounds, your hurts, your struggles, and they can prophesy about that. But if they prophesy your future, they can only do that from seeing into the book. Now, God wrote about you before time began. You see, that's the thing about this book. It was created before time began. You say, how do you know that? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For you are God's workmanship. That means you're his, his piece of art. And watch, what is art? It displays and declares the nature and the talent of the artist. You are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which were planned beforehand that you should walk in them. That's a real critical word, beforehand. You see, there were things planned for you beforehand, before time began. It was written in a book. Let me give you one more scripture. 2 Timothy 1.9. 
Paul says to Timothy, we are not called, watch, we are called not according to our works or our performance. In other words, God didn't get up this morning if he slept and evaluate your performance. You're not called on the basis of your performance, but you're called, watch, according to his purpose and grace that was given to you in Christ Jesus before time began. So purpose is what's written in your book and, the, and grace is the empowerment to fulfill it. So listen, you were predestined for a purpose. Now that doesn't mean you have to do it. You have a choice in the matter. But watch, you say, well, what is my purpose? Here's how you'll know. Watch, you ready for this? He gave us purpose and grace. Watch, he gave it to us before time again. So purpose and grace is not something we create, it's something we discover. Destiny is something you discover. You don't make it, you discover it. The works that were planned beforehand. Watch, and the way you will know you have discovered your purpose or what's in your book, you ready for it? It's because of the grace attached to it. Because whatever your purpose is, you have grace from God to fulfill it. Listen, you're not asking him for grace because it's been hanging there waiting on you to discover it since before time began. That's in your book. So watch, we need to know what's in our book. So watch, watch what's happened here. The prophets can't see, they can't perceive. Why? Because the book is sealed. Isn't it interesting, Daniel 7, 10, when the court was seated, the book's opened. Why? Because you, can't, you cannot prophetically understand what your destiny is until the books are open. And I don't have time to teach you tonight on how to get your books open, but that is a prerequisite to being able to function in the courts. Because let me give you a secret. You don't go into the courts bringing God your needs. You go into the courts bringing him your purpose. That's very important. Isaiah 43, verse 26. Here's what the prophet said. It said, he's, it said let, uh, let us contend together. It said, well, here's what he says. He said, put me in remembrance. Isaiah 43, 26. Put me in remembrance. In other words, tell me what I wrote about you in your book. Let us contend together. State your case that you might be acquitted. So God is saying, look, come into my courts and tell me what I wrote in your book. This is the way you present cases in the court. You come before God. You don't come whining to him about your needs. You can deal with your needs before the father and the friend. You present your purpose before God. Listen, as an ecclesia, you present the purpose of Zimbabwe. See, don't come telling God how bad things are in Zimbabwe. God knows the condition of Zimbabwe. Come saying, Lord, we prophetically understand this is the destiny of Zimbabwe. We want the destiny of Zimbabwe that you wrote in the book of heaven about it before time began. And you present that as a case in the courts of heaven. And the more detailed details you have, the better it is. See, I, but you do this on a personal level as well. See, remember I told you the story about my son? And I didn't even know what I was doing. 
Whenever, whenever I was dealing with his depression, I repented for his sins. I repented for my sins. I had the blood spoke, silenced the accuser. And then remember what God said to me, now prophesy his destiny. And I said, Lord, you said. I didn't even know what I was doing. I was just doing what God told me to do at the moment. Lord, you said how, how beautiful upon the mountain are the feet of those that bring good news. That's, that's his destiny. And I didn't realize I was actually presenting a case in the courts in his behalf when I was doing that. And freedom came and breakthrough came and he's living at his destiny today. Why? Because the Holy Spirit graciously led me in how to walk before the courts and began to present a case out of the books of heaven. Let me just tell you real quickly how this, how this understanding came to me. I was called to pray for the third highest ranking official in our state in the U.S. in Texas. There was a great political onslaught against him because he's a very righteous man. And the people that opposed him made up some charges, were able to get a grand jury against him, if you will, all these kind of things. And he was going to have to go on criminal trial. And if he lost... He would go to jail for a very long time when he was actually guilty of nothing. I mean, this, yeah, this kind of stuff does happen in America. And so, so he, they call me and say, they've heard about this. They say, could you come please and pray with us? And so I met them and I explained the court of heaven briefly. And actually this man is like the highest ranking attorney in the state. So he understood legal issues. And so I said, okay, we want to, we, and they're, they're telling me their situation. I said, well, let's pray. So I began to pray with them. And I started praying what I thought was a really nice prayer. I mean, I was pretty impressed with it. I was like, Lord, you see what they're trying to do to this man. And you understand that if they do this, they're going to lose everything. Lord, please, I'm asking you that you would come and defend him and his wife and their children and be very merciful and compassionate. And as I'm praying this, as I'm praying this, God is screaming in this ear. I don't know why it was this ear. But I'm praying with him. I mean, we're at a table, I'm praying. And I'm, I'm saying these words when I think it's a really nice prayer. And God is screaming in my ear. And here's what he's saying. Don't you dare bring his case to me based on his need you bring his case to me based on my purpose in him and I had a revelation at that moment and I suddenly remembered remember when God said to Moses get out of the way I'm wiping them out I'm so tired of these people remember when God said that to Moses in numbers what did Moses do he said Lord you can't do that these are your people your purpose is in them You've made a covenant with them. If you wipe them out, you're going to be accused of being a covenant breaker. And your name is in them. It's going to be a black mark on your name. And Moses never once pled the case of Israel on the basis of Israel's need. Watch. He pled the case of Israel on the basis of God's interest in Israel. Start telling God his interest in Zimbabwe. In your family, in your life, in your children that are away from God. God, you better arise and do something or the enemy is going to steal your purpose that you wrote in the book about this child. So I am learning how to consistently present cases in the courts based on purpose that's coming out of the books. But to do that, you've got to have a prophetic sense of what's in the books. That's why the books are open. Now, I could go on and teach on this because, because I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, prophets can only prophesy 
from open books. They can only prophesy. I mean, they can prophesy past. They can prophesy things that might be happening now. But they can't prophesy the future that's in the book unless the books are open. Okay, so, so once we discern in our own hearts, this is what God is saying out of my book. Okay, Lord, I want this. See, I know, like, like I told somebody this morning, the Lord said to me, watch this. He said to me, he said, I will make your name as one of the great men of the earth. So guess what I do before the Lord? Lord, you said... I didn't ask you for this. You said. I want to be clear. I didn't ask for this. But you said you would make my name as one of the great men of the earth. So, Lord, I'm saying before your courts, that obviously is in my book. Because you said it. So, Lord, I'm asking that there would be a fulfillment of this. And any and every influence you want me to have in the nations. Because God also said to me as I was praying one day. He also said to me, you will disciple nations. And I said, really awesome. What does that mean? And so I began to, now I, I have at least some understanding. So I go before him, I said, Lord, I'm asking that you would let me disciple nations. What am I doing? I am presenting my case based on what's written in my book. It's very important. Okay, number two, you ready? Number two. The second thing you can do to present your case is, is treasure and use the prophetic words that have come over your life. 1 Timothy 1.18, Paul said to Timothy, he said, I charge you, Timothy... He said, I charge you according to the prophecies that have gone forth on you that you by them might wage a good warfare. Now, I love that scripture because people get prophecies and, 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 and it's like they think, well, that makes it automatic. No, 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 no. When you get a prophecy, you have just been given a prayer agenda. You see, you have to pray every real prophetic word into reality. This is what Daniel understood. Daniel chapter, what is it? Daniel chapter 9, where Daniel understands by the number of the books that the time of Israel being in a Babylonian captivity is over. So what does he do? He doesn't just cross his arms and just say, well, we're going home pretty quick here. No. He knew that if he wasn't proactive, they weren't going anywhere. So he began to pray in agreement with the prophetic word so that Israel could come out of Babylon and go back to their homeland. And it's really interesting. He prayed and he dealt with his own sin and the sin of the fathers because he understood because of his revelation of the courts out of Daniel 7 that if he didn't deal with the legal issues that had put them in this situation in the first place, they weren't going anywhere. Because prophetic words are not automatic. They have to be prayed in reality. This is why Paul says to Timothy, that you by these prophetic words might wage a good warfare. Or watch, you might step into a conflict. Because this is what I believe. I believe when a real prophetic word comes over my life, even before I, I began to pray, I believe the moment it's spoken, that it's a case that's presented in the courts of heaven. And watch this, and the accuser is going to stand up and say, but I have evidence that says he cannot have that. Have you ever noticed that sometimes you get prophetic words, and instead of the prophetic word happening, all hell breaks loose against you? Do you know why? Because the accuser has stood up and resisted that word and said, they cannot have that word. I have evidence against them that says they're not qualified. So you have to know how to go into the courts, deal with every resistance and opposition of the accuser, silence it, so that that, that, that prophetic word can become a reality. See, this is why prophetic words don't happen. We don't know how to take them into the courts and silence the accuser that doesn't want us to have these. 
Why? Because God's purposes in the earth is connected to each one of us getting our destiny. Okay, so watch this. Here's, all, here's also what I do. Whoever gives me the prophetic word, whoever gives it to me. I come before the Lord, and this is what I say. Lord, I say, Lord, your servant, your prophet, this is what I tell him. I say, your prophet said this about me. And I start calling prophets' names before the courts of it. You say, why would you do that? Because if they're a real prophet, they've got status in the courts. And their, their name carries weight in the courts. Remember, what happened whenever, in the sons of Sceva, they said, Paul we know, Jesus we know, and Paul we know, but who are you? See, Paul's name, just like Jesus' name, had status in heaven. They knew his name. You need to understand, if it's a real prophet giving you a real word, then bring that prophet's name into the court. Say, Lord, this prophet, your servant, said this to me. Therefore, I am calling their name because that, that name has status and weight before you in your courts. I just drop names in the courts. I'm a name dropper. <laughs> Nobody on earth may know them. Nobody on earth may know them. But if they're the real deal, heaven knows them. Heaven knows them. I mean, I'm carrying a prophetic word right now that, that, I mean, over the course of just a few days, I mean, about four different prophets spoke to me. So I've t this morning when I was praying, I said, Lord, you're, this prophet said this, this prophet said this, this prophet said this, this prophet said this. Now I'm asking on the basis of these prophetic words, I believe this is from you. I'm asking that what's in my book would become a reality because the prophets are prophesying it. So I'm asking for that to become a reality. And then I deal with any legal issue that the enemy would use to, to stop that. Okay, number two, number three. You should always come before the courts based on what Jesus has done. For the first thing, Jesus, what Jesus has done gives us the right to stand in the courts. Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. Every tongue that rises against us in judgment, you will condemn. Why? For our righteousness, or watch this, our right to stand before you is from you. And this is the heritage of the servant of the Lord. So I have a right to stand in the courts based on what Jesus has done for me. So that's one reason. But I also come before the courts and I say, Lord, I want you to, I, re, I just come before the courts and I, I say before the courts, remember what your son has done. I remember that the chastisement of my peace was upon him. And I'm asking for everything to come to peace and come to order based on that which your son has done. If it's in a healing realm, Lord, Lord, you, he bore away our, 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 pain, our sicknesses and carried away our pains. I am saying, I am reminding this court of that which Jesus has done. I'm reminding this court of that which has been spoken. I'm reminding this court and I'm asking on the basis of that which was done for this breakthrough to come. So always bring before the courts what Jesus has done. Always. Okay, number four. A fourth thing we should do to present a case. We should, we should remind God of his promises. I mean, of course, we know the word of God is filled with promises. Listen, bring those promises before court. Let me tell you how I, how I got this. I got a phone call, and a very pretty high-level, influential person was very, very sick, in danger of, of death even. And I got this phone call, and they said, would you please pray? 
And, and I wasn't the only one. There were many others that, that were informed. And so, so I said, okay. And so I began to pray. And the moment I said, I said, Lord, I bring this person before you. I was just going to, you know, honestly, I was just going to, like, like I teach people, Paul said, I make mention of you in my prayers. It is very powerful sometimes just to mention people in prayer. You don't have to, you don't have to get down and travail. It's just, Lord, I make mention of them, especially when you're standing in the atmosphere and the dimension of the courts. Lord, I just mention this person. I just, bring, I just mentioned it. Well, that's what I was going to do. I said, Lord, I just bring this person. I just ask you to bring healing. The moment I did that, the Lord said to me, bring their case to me on the basis of the fact that they have cared for the poor. And he spoke to me, Psalms 41, verse 3, that whoever considered the poor and took care of the poor, they would be strengthened upon their sickbed. So all of a sudden, I knew God didn't want me just mentioning. He actually wanted me to step into the courts, and so I did. I said, Lord, I am bringing this person before you in their condition, and Lord, I am saying before you that they have not fulfilled your purpose in the earth. Or otherwise you would be telling this. I know that they yet have a purpose to fulfill. And so I am coming and I'm reminding this court of how this person and their husband has taken care of the poor. And according to Psalms 41, verse 1 through 3, when we take care of the poor, you promise to release healing to us and to strengthen us in any place of sickness we might come into. So I'm asking you from your court that there would be a verdict that would be rendered, that healing would now come. And I am presenting before you the fact that they have cared for the poor. Let that healing now come into life. In two hours, I got a phone call said they're all okay. Because I brought a case to the court based on the promise of God's word. So listen, if you're carrying promises from God's word in your heart, you need to use those promises in the courts of heaven. You need to use those promises. I remember one time the Lord said to me, I'm trying to remember the exact psalm, when he said that he would bless abundantly the provision of Zion. And I was leading a local work then, and we were kind of walking through a, a tight place. And see, if I understood then what I know now, I would have come before the court. I would have said, Lord, this is the word. You said you would bless abundantly the provision of Zion. I am asking for the abundant provision before your court. I am asking for that to now come, that every need would be met, and there would be a surplus. Because abundant blessing of the provision of Zion, of Zion means that there's, 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 there's wealth left over. By the way, let me just say this. Some of you business people, you need to know how to go to the courts because you've done everything you know to do in the business realm and the breakthrough still hasn't come. It's because something's resisting you. Guess what? God does, the enemy does want, not want you to have wealth and riches if you're a kingdom purpose person. Get this. You've got to get this. Deuteronomy 8.18 says he will give us the power to get wealth. Why? That his covenant might be established in the earth. And he will resist your breakthrough into wealth if... It means that, that, the, that the purposes of God are not going to be financed. So you need to know how to go into the court and deal with anything that the enemy is using to resist that. And by the way, let me just mention, when, when, remember Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, all three of their wives were barren. Do you know why? But yet Ishmael and that line was abundantly blessed. Why? Because Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was the kingdom seed. 
They were the kingdom seed. They were the seed through which Jesus was going to come. They were, the, they were the seed through which God was going to bless all the families of the earth. So what does the enemy do? He says, I'm going to bring barrenness. You need to understand that, that many times that which is of the kingdom seed will have to fight its way through barrenness so that it can begin to bear because the enemy will resist the purposes of God through barrenness. Listen, God wants to bring wealth and prosperity, but sometimes you need to know how to step into the courts of heaven, move the things out of the way so that everything you've been working for can actually begin to be made manifest. Manifest. This stuff works in that realm. We do a lot of teaching on how to function in the courts from a business perspective. Because you can do all the right things in the natural, but still not have your breakthrough. Because something is resisting you in the spirit realm. Okay? So, so those, five, those four things. Let me give you the fifth one. And I, hope, I, I want to leave enough time to deal with this. Okay. You need to understand a very powerful principle. This is going to, I promise you, this one, if the other was having, this one's going to change your life. You need to understand that your finances give witness into the courts in your behalf. That your finances speak in the courts. So I'm going to take you on a little journey for just a few moments. Hebrews 7 and verse 8. Every time it's offering time, your offering is an opportunity to release a testimony in the courts of heaven. I'm just going to show it to you. It's going to, I promise you, it's going to change your life. Listen, why? Because you're going to realize now when I bring my offering, I'm not just bringing something to finance something as, as good and as, as, as right as that is. This, this, this money I'm releasing, it's actually going to speak before the courts of heaven in my behalf and cause me to be remembered in that place. Hebrews 7, verse 8. I love this. The, the, the writer of Hebrews is talking about the difference between the Levitical priesthood and the Melchizedek order that we are now under. Okay, so watch what he says. Hebrews 7, verse 8. Here mortal men receive tithes. That means the Levites in those days, the Levitical tribe, they were still as mortal men receiving the tithes from the, from the Hebrews, from Israel. It says, but there he... The Melchizedek order, Jesus the high priest after the Melchizedek order. There he receives them of whom it is witness. And that means to give a judicial testimony of whom it is witness that he lives. So watch what I'm about to say. I want to tell you, we are not under the Levitical priesthood. But we are connected to the Melchizedek order. And these people that, I don't know if it's in here or Zimbabwe, but I'm telling you it's across America. You know, guys, we're out from underneath the law. We don't have to do anything like that. You are delivered from tithing. That's a bunch of baloney. You need to understand that, listen, they tithe under the Melchizedek. Listen, it says there he receives the tithe. How can he receive it if it's not being given? He received, there he receives the tithe. Here mortal men were receiving it. But there the Melchizedek order is receiving it, of whom it is witnessed that he lives. So this is what I tell people. I say, you know, what brain-dead person, what, 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 what person that's not very, very sensible would take a tenth of their income and bring it to the house of God? Who would do that? Who would take one-tenth? Watch this. Only the one who believes he lives. Only the ones who believe he lives. 
Watch, because watch, when you bring it, you are releasing a witness, a testimony in the courts of heaven. There is a testimony speaking from your money that says, I believe he lives. And you are connecting yourself to the aliveness of who Jesus is as your great high priest. See, watch, he's talking about Abraham here. You say, well, wait a minute, that's Old Testament. No, 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 no. Abraham was an Old Testament man with New Testament revelation. He lived his life from a New Testament revelation. That's what made him who he was. See, watch this. Revelation will cause you to live outside the time you're in. You know secrets other people do not know. And whenever you, by revelation, function in those realms, you get those, you get that that others around you are not getting. Because you're living from the revelation. So Abraham, as an Old Testament man, had New Testament revelation. That's what made him who he was. And so therefore, watch, when he understood who, who Melchizedek was, he brought a tithe. And he honored the Melchizedek order. Okay, and at that time, he released a testimony into heaven in his behalf. Because watch, his money speaks. Let me just show you this. James chapter 4. James chapter 4. I'm going to establish for you that your money is speaking. James chapter 4. Excuse me, James chapter 5. And we won't take the whole time to read the whole thing. But if you read, if you start in verse 1, you would find out that it's, God's talking about judging the rich who are oppressing with their riches. You need to understand, it's not wrong to be rich. It's wrong to oppress with your riches. It can't be wrong to be rich. God said, I'm going to give you power to get wealth. He wants some wealth. In fact, what he's going to do in the earth, he needs a wealthy people to do it through. And let me just say this. The, the thing that got the prodigal son up out of the pig pen and back to the father's house was, how many of my father's servants have bread enough in despair? See, the minimal standard of the father's house is bread enough to spare. That's for service. That's not even talking about being a son. You say, well, I'm not living that. No, no, I'm just challenging you. God wants to elevate our faith so that we can believe him. If we're not in that place, that's okay. We're all in process. There's no condemnation. But listen, if I begin to understand, this is, the, this is the standard of God. I can believe him and I can push into this realm and I, be, I can begin to experience the power to get wealth. So James chapter 5, verse 4, watch what he says. Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which were kept back by fraud, so they hadn't been paid, cry out. Not the wages, not, not the laborers, the money, the wages are crying out. And the cries of the reapers mixed with the cry of the money has reached the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. And so God said, because of what the money is saying and what the reapers are saying, their, their cry together is going to cause me to judge an oppressive economic system. God said, I'll do that because money has a voice. So watch, everybody's money's saying something. See, our tithe speaking in heaven saying he lives. But if we are doing wrong things with our money, it's crying out against us. See, you're, I'm, I'm telling you, your money is speaking for you or against you in the realm of the spirit. 
Your money is speaking for you or against you in the realm of the spirit because your money has a voice. See, this set me free because now I know what I'm doing when I'm bringing an offering. I'm releasing testimony in the courts of heaven. Okay, let's progress real quickly. Matthew chapter five. Matthew chapter five. We're talking about how to present a case. Guys, I want to get this done so I can give give this one testimony, this one story. Because I saw how powerful stories are. Matthew 5, verse 23. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar, go your way. First be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. Watch what Jesus is saying. He's saying, if you bring your offering to the altar, and at that altar, you suddenly, under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, remember, wait, there's something wrong with me and somebody else. Watch what Jesus says, don't bring your offering. He said, now watch, leave it there. In other words, don't use it as an excuse not to give. Your intent is to bring it, so leave it there. You're not taking it with you, but you're gonna go get this thing fixed with whoever you have a problem with. And sometimes that just means in our own hearts. But we're gonna get it fixed. Why? You gotta get this principle. Because whatever the state of your heart is, at the moment you bring your offering, that's the testimony attached to it. And if I've got anger, bitterness, unforgiveness, I've got grudging, I'm doing this grudgingly, I'm not doing it out of a willing spirit, I'm I'm trying to manipulate God, whatever. If that's in my heart, that's the testimony. That's why Jesus said, leave it there, go get it fixed, get your heart right, so that the right testimony can be attached to your offering. Now he's going to tell us why. The next verse, verse 25, agree with your adversary, that's the Greek word, antidikos, the one who brings a lawsuit, agree with your adversary quickly while you're on the way with him, lest your adversary deliver you to the judge, the judge hand you over to the officer, and you be thrown into prison. And surely I say to you, you'll by no means get out of there till you paid the last penny. That's connected to bringing your offering. So watch what he's saying. He's saying, if you bring an offering with the wrong testimony, the wrong thing coming out of your heart, if that's connected to your money, that money goes into the spirit world. The sound of it, the smoke of it goes into the spirit world. It's incense. Okay, get this. If it's got a wrong sound, the adversary grabs it, builds a case with it against you, and the judge has no alternative other than to let you be thrown into prison because your money's saying the wrong thing. Now you got a, you, an example of this is it's Job. Job, why did this happen to Job? Because remember, Job was a righteous man who feared God, eschewed evil. But he would come after his children partied in, in, in fear that they had cursed God. And he would, they would offer an offering. And, or Job would come and offer an offering to seek to manipulate God to not judge his kids for any evil that they had done. It wasn't an offering of worship. It wasn't an offering of love. It wasn't an offering of faith. It wasn't an offering of adoration. It was, a, it was seeking to manipulate God. So what, what was Satan's accusation against Job? He's not serving you with a pure heart. You've got a hedge around him. The only reason he's serving you is because you blessed him so much. Let me touch him. I'll prove to you his heart's not pure. Where did Satan get the evidence to bring such an accusation? Because of the sound of his offering in regards to his kids. You gotta get your heart right and bring your offering. Now watch, if it is that powerful in the negative, 
How powerful is it in the positive? I'm glad you asked. Malachi chapter 2. Malachi chapter 2. You have got to see this because I'm going to tell you what I'm about to show you is a key to releasing Zimbabwe into its destiny. And even your own life into your own destiny. Malachi 3, I'm sorry. Malachi 3 verse 2. Who can endure the day of his coming and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire. He's like a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner, as a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi, purge them as gold and silver. Why? Why is he going to take us through this massive purifying process? Why? That they may bring to me an offering in righteousness. See, God said, the whole reason I'm taking you through this purifying process is so that your offering is an offering of righteousness. And you're going to see it has the right sound attached to it, the right testimony. That you're not bringing it out of impure motives. You're bringing it out of a heart to worship God, to love God, to adore God, exercising faith in God. So he's purifying our hearts so we can bring an offering in righteousness. Watch what he says. Verse 4. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasant to the Lord as in the days of old, as in former years. And watch. He said it'll be accepted. He said, and on the basis of that offering and what it's saying, I will come near you for judgment. That means I will render a verdict. I will be a swift witness against sorcerers, against adulterers, against perjurers, against those who exploit wage earners and widows and orphans, against those who turn away an alien because they do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. Watch what he's saying. He is pinpointing all the problems of a society, of a culture. And he's saying, you got to get this. When my church allows me to take them through this purifying process so that they bring an offering with the right testimony attached to it, that offering is going to speak and it's going to release testimony that will allow me as judge to judge everything that's afflicting society. I will judge sorcery. I will judge witchcraft. I will judge perjury and lying. See, you, you want the corruption taken out of Zimbabwe's government? Listen, let the church of Zimbabwe bring an offering in righteousness that releases a testimony. I promise you, God will be a swift witness, a swift judge against these things that are holding Zimbabwe out of its destiny and purpose. He said, watch, I will judge oppressive economic systems. He said, I will judge those who are oppressing the poor. I will bring judgment into society because my ecclesia is releasing an offering in righteousness. It is speaking before me. Amen. Then watch. You said, but what about me personally? Oh, it works for you personally too. I see I got two minutes. Let me just do this real quick. I needed a breakthrough in my life. The Lord spoke to me. I'm just gonna cut this real short. Okay, he, he, spoke, he spoke to me. Well, first of all, I was in a hotel room praying, and I knew that there was still something hindering my destiny, even though I dealt with several issues. And I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, this is what I said. I said, is there still something warring against me in my destiny? He said, yes, there are still voices against you in the spirit world. And he told me, he said, I need for you to come before me as Moses did in number 16 and make this statement. I have taken nothing from them, not even a donkey. That's when Korah was accusing Moses. So I came and I knew the moment I did that, I knew that there was a book that was brought out in heaven because everything's recorded in heaven and it was searched out whether that was true or not that I had taken nothing and it was found to be right and there was a verdict rendered in my behalf 
That's just true. I knew that happened. So then I have a dream. And in the dream, I see myself standing before a ministry I have nothing to do with. And me and my wife were debating whether we should give $100 or $1,000 to this ministry. And she said, let's give 100 I said, no, we're supposed to give 1000 Well, long story short, I, that later that night, I'm watching TV. I mean, I didn't do anything. That was just a dream. I'm thinking, but I'm thinking, God wants me to release money to give an offering so that it can speak in my behalf. He needs an offering to speak for me. I knew that what he was doing. And so I've never had anything to do with his ministry. Had no connection at it, with it whatsoever. They wouldn't know me from Adam. Okay, so, so I turn the TV on later that night, and here's this ministry on TV. And so I watch it. Guess what they're doing? They're raising money. And the, they're saying, we're asking you to sow $1,000. But if you can't sow $1,000, sow $100. It was exactly what I saw in my dream. So I knew it was God. So I went and I sowed $1,000. And as I sowed it on the internet, I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, let this money, let this offering speak in my behalf before your courts as a testimony before you so that you have the right to, re to, to release me and bring me into the fullness of what's been promised. By 11 o'clock, no, excuse me, 10 o'clock, 11 hours later, the next morning, the phone calls had come and everything was set into motion. Because watch, I had silenced the voices against me, but then I released finances that have a testimony that spoke in my behalf. You see, these are the ways we bring cases into the courts. So would you stand with me? So watch, amen. It's a power, I'm telling you, change life. From here on out, you'll never bring, a, you shouldn't bring an offering the same way you brought them before. You bring an offering now with an awareness. Whatever we're doing, in addition to that, Lord, this offering is speaking for me. It's causing me to be remembered before you. Does that make sense? So would you just say this with me? Lord, as we stand before you, thank you for the blood that speaks for us. But Lord, I also want to bring my case before you. And I say thank you, Lord, for what's written in the books of heaven about me. Lord, I release prophetic understanding. And I say, Lord, I put you in remembrance of that which you have said about me. Lord, even what you would have said about Zimbabwe. Lord, I also bring the prophetic words I'm carrying. I remind you of them, Lord. I remind you of the ones who spoke them. I say, Lord, let these prophetic words, let them come to pass. Let every voice that will re be resisting them, let those voices be silenced right now. Lord, I remind you, I remind this court of that which Jesus has done. That when he died on the cross, Lord, verdicts were rendered, statements were released. Lord, for my destiny and purpose, I say thank you, Lord Jesus, for all that you have done for me on the cross. Let it speak in behalf of me, my family, but even my nation. Lord, I remind you of the promise of your word. Thank you for the word, for the precious promises associated with the word. Thank you for it, Lord. Would you let verdicts be rendered on the basis of, the, of your promises, Lord?
And Lord, also, would you let my offering speak before you? As I have brought offerings to honor you and to worship you, would you let these offerings speak before you, O God, and cause me and my family, and even as we do this as a church, cause a nation to be remembered before you. Lord, would you do that? Lord, I come and I thank you for loving us. I just let his holy presence just fall over you right now. I thank you, Lord, that these voices are speaking for us, causing us to be remembered. All that feel forgotten and left out and left behind. That there's a voice in heaven. They may not have a voice in earth but they have a voice in heaven that's speaking for them. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for speaking for us and speaking for the nation of Zimbabwe, that everything that's written in the books of heaven about it, it shall be ordered, it shall be set into place, and the name of the Lord Jesus shall be glorified in Zimbabwe, and no flesh will glory in your presence. No flesh shall take, take credit for that which you are doing and about to do in Zimbabwe. That you are arising to release people from the oppression of corruption and of the enemy. I thank you for this. Listen, some people are coming and they are showing this is a really good time to do this. If you want to just release an offering that's speaking, this would be a good time. Not that you have to. Listen, there's no pressure. I'm just saying we're standing in a place before the Lord. And I know we need to go, but I'm just asking that all that's happening right now in the Spirit, He would speak before you. And your glory would be known. Thank you, Lord. Okay. Thank you, Lord. We just worship you. Father, we just repent for any negative attitude we've had about money. Lord, we just repent of that. Lord, we just, re- I, I say, I see a, a fresh release of blessing and prosperity. I declare that right now. I say as this money is being sown, as this money is being released, that it's speaking in the courts of heaven. It's speaking in behalf, Lord, not only of us as individuals, but of this nation. As the Zimbabwe, as we, as, as the people of Zimbabwe bring this, let it, let it speak in your courts, Lord, and let breakthrough and let divine order come to government, to the government of Zimbabwe. Let your choice be set in the place, Lord God. That one which you have chosen, that one which you have ordained, let them be set into place in this nation, Lord. Lord, not as in the days of, 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 of when, when David, or excuse me, when Samuel was about to anoint somebody else that, that looked right but wasn't right, but he chose a David. I say, let the David, let it be set in place in Zimbabwe, oh God. Let it be set in place in Zimbabwe, I pray. Lord, I thank you for doing this. Thank you for doing this, Lord. Even as we're just standing before you. Say there's an anointed breakthrough that is now coming over your people, oh God. Even 
you, Lord. Thank 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 you, Lord. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.